Yeah. Hello and welcome to Swaraja Punctuation. Today, our guest is Harikiran Vadlamani. He's a social entrepreneur and a man of many hats. Uh, the hat he's wearing today, as we talk to him, is as founder of Creative India, uh, Advaita Academy, and Indic Academy. Um, I've met, I've known Hari for about two, three years, and I have uh, talked to him about this, his ideas of soft power before, and I thought we should all talk to him and get a sense of what he means by soft power. As his bio says, his uh, goal right now is the cultural, spiritual, and intellectual renaissance of India. So let's talk to Hari Kiran Vadlamani about soft power. Welcome to the show, Hari. And um, please let me start off with the questions uh, immediately. Now, the soft power, when we talk about soft power, it's usually private and diffuse, like Coca-Cola or Beethoven. Um, in the talks you have already given on this at other venues where I heard you, like the India Habitat Center and in uh, the Indic Academy, um, Indic Thoughts Festival in Goa, for example, uh, you seem to want to institutionalize it in some way and channel it. Uh, how does that exactly work? I mean, how, how does, you know, I mean, is it like the Confucius Institutes that China does? But, you know, when you think of it that way, there's some backlash uh, to it recently. Whereas Coca-Cola, you know, Beethoven don't have the same backlash. So can you please explain what you mean? Thank you. Thank you, JD. And uh, thank you for having me uh, discuss about uh, soft power. Um, there is this push and a pull. So what you are saying is that uh, Beethoven is a pull because it's, it is a value to the listener. And uh, therefore, uh, can you institutionalize or can you have a strategy to push uh, soft power? And, and that seems to uh, be the question a lot of people ask whenever we talk about uh, soft power. My mind, uh, I look at soft power as actually a word that has been uh, popularized. Uh, and and uh, I'm looking at soft power more in terms of from an economic point of view and uh, from an artha point of view rather than from the karma point of view. So the consumer looks at soft power and he enjoys a Beethoven or he enjoys a Carnatic uh, recital. But behind that uh, enjoyment of that experience, behind that experience, there is an economic value chain of somebody who has trained in that uh, particular skill set an event manager who has put together that concert, somebody who has marketed it, somebody who's designed it. So there's a whole economic value chain to that final experience that the consumer has. So my focus is on the economics of it rather than on the enjoyment of it. Uh, because so far, whatever initiatives that the government has taken uh, is more, uh, you know, in terms of a this vague idea and a, a mushy uh, idea of uh, promoting art and culture. I would treat art and culture like any other resource that a country has. And therefore, in my mind, uh, any push strategy that the country or anybody would adopt would uh, not have any uh, problem and would not have any backlash because you're only doing it only when there's a consumer, you're not pushing it down uh, somebody's throat. 
so to speak? Um, you know, we're all aware of how, for example, the CIA tried to influence, you know, global American soft power through its, you know, fingers in many pies, whether they're art houses or magazines or radio stations, Hollywood even, so on. Um, and, you know, some, of, some people might be offended at the idea of state intervention, but I think this is not only acceptable, but normal and has been going on for a long time. In your venture, you speak as a private entrepreneur, of course, but do you see a role for the Indian state in terms of its policies or uh, encouragement or anything else? Um, and I mean, I guess one question, given the Indian political scene I would have is a, a blunt one, is how, if there is a role for the state, how will a change in the powers, uh, uh, power at the center, the party in the center, affect anything like this? Well, definitely there is a, there's a need for uh, a role of the state. Uh, independent of the governments might come and go, but uh, there is a need to institutionalize uh, uh, initiatives. So therefore, we look at institutional interventions and individual interventions. So they could be interventions by not-for-profits like uh, Creative India Academy. They could be interventions by individuals. But ultimately, you cannot get away from the fact that only a state intervention has the maximum impact. I mean, just because of uh, Mr. Narendra Modi's initiative on Yoga Day, you had more than 170 countries uh, sign up for that. But that happened because of a push, but there was already a demand there. for. So therefore, there was a, a beautiful match between uh, uh, intervention and the uh, consumer's mind. There's no doubt that uh, state has to intervene and some of the uh, initiatives uh, that I'm advocating upon um, would definitely require a, a state intervention. But if, if there's a change in the government and the, the, the next government does not work, that's a part of our democracy. And, yeah. um, the other thing, you know, when we talk about soft power, it, it seems to me that one of the biggest um, Strengths of, uh, sorry, um, it seems to be there's a chase uh, of a fad many times. For example, um, you know, as, having lived abroad for most of my life, I'll say that, you know, there's a sudden interest in Indian cuisine one day and then the next day, you know, Vietnamese restaurants are popping up all over, that sort of stuff. And one of the examples you used in one of your talks was K-pop. And K-pop was popular, uh, or maybe it's still popular, I'm not sure. A uh, couple of years ago with that Gangnam style song. Um, but before that, there was something else. So I don't doubt there's an overall benefit of a positive image for the country. And definitely there is a, a, a demand, a, a pull. But given its, you know, sort of response perhaps uh, to these fads, isn't it a little more ephemeral, uh, too ephemeral to institutionalize? Um, not really. Uh, I understand fads come and go, uh, but there are certain uh, certain underlying things which are more uh, structural and fundamental, and the form uh, or on which you develop uh, can change. For example, uh, at, at a point in time, Indian visual artists could be in vogue, uh, and there could be a lot of demand, but uh, if Indian artists are recognized as a, as a, as a core and important contributor to the global art scene, 
that will not go away but on the uh, on the top of it uh, there could be uh, ups and downs we have seen that uh, for example in uh, in japan uh, japan J- japan's culture was very much popular in the 1980s and uh, we had management books we had the uh, companies we had uh, the cuisine and we had a lot of uh, uh, investments into uh, hollywood so therefore that was the flavor of the season and uh, after that uh, you, you could see that there were a change in consumers uh, taste but there's also a structural thing that you must uh, realize uh, for example indian cuisine we were talking about there's a structural change in uh, the way uh, british have adapted uh, indian cuisine uh, uh, into their lives so that is not going to go away curry and indian cuisine is a very much part of their life and uh, while they could be fashionable uh, things like you know you suddenly have an argentinian uh, restaurant popping up in london you could have those kind of things but there is a very structural shift so you will always have to think of uh, uh, structural demand uh, that is changing and then there is a, a flavor of the season so i don't think so 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 it, there's a permanency there's an ephemeralness so therefore there's a combination of both um it seems to me that one of the biggest strengths of soft power has to be the home base um india has been as you know fighting a rearguard action against the loss of its own culture for decades if not centuries and uh, you know you look at france or italy or germany these other cultural superpowers um they have universities art institutes educational endowments to support their heritage so you know when an american is done with say studying the german language in america that he can easily go and immerse himself in a program in a german university uh and study german culture up close and personal so how do you plan to address this painful lacuna in the indian scene as much as you push this uh, indian soft power in terms of art and music and yoga um that next levels you know where foreigners can come to india and learn at the source it's it's a uh, seems to be weak so and this is you know perhaps partly also due to a language barrier and so you know you see alliance française and you see the goethe institute which promote french and german for example um in india i think it's a bit more of a challenge yes and 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 uh, the fact that we have not invested enough in our art and culture in the last uh, uh, several decades is is uh, very much established so now uh, there are two so there are therefore there are two tracks one is to invest in our culture in india and one is to invest it outside the way i am uh, 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 envisaging that it will pan out is that when we see the success like for example uh, i mean yoga uh, is a very good example when there was an acceptance of yoga globally you can see a renaissance of yoga and resurgence of interest in yoga within our country it was not there earlier so in a way there is a virtuous loop there's a virtuous cycle that we enter into when uh, there's a demand externally and then we supply and meet the demand and that comes into uh, Uh, our country again and strengthens uh, uh, the home home base so which is like a chicken or egg problem you can't just say that look i want to do this first and then that later so it's not a a sequential uh, kind of a thing 
there has to be a parallel uh, pursuit of uh, various initiatives both domestically and globally and when you are looking at global success that global success will in turn uh, 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 encourage uh, indians to take it up so there's a, then we enter into a virtuous uh, cycle this is exactly what happened to uh, american uh, culture as they uh, succeeded globally uh, it domestically also it uh, so it's it's a cycle and we should aspire for that which is cycle um do you think that advocating soft power nowadays is a bit of a challenge um for i mean for example i grew up in a time you know and in certain circles when it was a virtue to be well schooled in the classics and you know today what we hear is you know the stock of selling a culture which is very different uh, you know to, to other countries or even to the next generation and you know a lot of these projects it seems like you know a bunch of mbas have gotten hold of the core material and have you know turned out into a plan and you know i'm not knocking business don't get me wrong but that the sense of virtue about you know uh, in knowing about shakuntala for its own sake for its own beauty that seems to have gone and that might sort of uh, perhaps present a challenge of its own uh, that you'd have to talk to you know other countries other cultures and other a, a, a new generation which doesn't seem to share those values that we used to we grew up with no you are very right i mean art ultimately uh, uh, art is artist from an artist point of view art is just created because he wants to express himself he doesn't do it uh or somebody else's appreciation that's a pure form of uh, art uh but uh, there is a sustenance aspect to it and which is why i keep going back to the economics of uh, art and culture so what we are really talking about is is in terms of it's a product and that product and there's a consumer for that product but before that there is a producer and there is somebody who is making it and uh, this is this is what we need to not lose sight of when we talk about culture because culture is uh, uh, is an expression or a manifestation of divinity in terms of art and how artist sees his work his or her work but uh, before that there is a sustenance aspect to it and what we really need to uh, focus while i am talking about soft power and i am talking about culture it's really i'm talking about the artisans and the uh, uh, artists and all the the value chain that is what we need to look at so look at it as a skill development uh, aspect of what uh, this government has focused on and uh, then the perspective changes i just give you an example of uh, bali now that whole economy is there is a tourist aspect there's beautiful uh, culture and there's beautiful land uh beautiful beaches but eventually that economy is thriving because the artisans the artists and the architects have come together there's an amalgam or, and they have come together and there is a virtuous loop of how uh architects bring about contemporary designs use the traditional uh, grammar but they give a contemporary form and then infuse it into uh into various villas and other Therefore, this uh, this is what we need to look at uh, in terms of uh, uh, when we talk about 
There is an external consumption, but before that, there's a production, and we have to keep up with times, and we have to introduce new ways of producing. One of the things that uh, I talked about was that one of the smart cities that we, we need to look at creating is uh, creating a Bali. Uh, why can't you look at creating a Bali, uh, say, for example, uh, south of Goa or some place where we invite from all over uh, India and uh, create a situation where um, architects, some artists live there. And then you have production facilities where economies of scale are there and sports. So anybody can fly in into, uh, into, uh, into Goa and then buy all the one. Uh, and um, so um, it's basically we're talking about uh, um, economies of scale. So if you're looking at uh, 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 larger manufacturing facilities, design, uh, CAD CAD machines, all these uh, uh, can be provided for at a single location. And then you have, you create this uh, uh, alchemy of sorts. Uh, interestingly, Bali is now an offshore agent for handicrafts for other countries. It's like an offshore place. So, the other countries send their designs and get their handicrafts manufactured in uh, European countries. There's a very interesting offshoring model. And, and so you have to keep, continuously think of it as a, um, uh, as a, uh, from an economic point of view. And then only you get into this. Think of uh, uh, globe as a market. Think of Indians around, uh, outside of India as your, uh, as your own in terms of uh, that you need to give them uh, encouragement to set up businesses, uh, which is what I talk about Mudra Global, for example, uh, wherein we look at any Indian uh, entrepreneur uh, anywhere in the world. Like, for example, if he's in Adelaide and he wants to set up a yoga studio or a restaurant, he shouldn't starve for money. He should just go to uh, Macquarie Bank, for example, and you have a tie-up with Macquarie Bank because Macquarie Bank wants to open in India. So you just say, hey, you know, you, we will do a refinancing. So any Indian who walks into your uh, branch and wants a loan, we'll do the refinancing. So therefore, then what happens is you're not looking at Indians in India as the market and, and creating entrepreneurs here in India. You're looking at around the world and looking at entrepreneurs around the world. And that's the way to look at it because uh, then the businesses are... so. Out, out of their delivery, their delivery points, like, uh, like you have a hub and spoke model, think of India as a hub and uh, 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 the delivery points of consumer experience are outside of India. So once you get that uh, kind of a framework in your mind, then uh, you, you know, we talked about uh, uh, a venture capital fund, for example. Uh, you know, the first, first time, first budget, the government announced a 10,000 crore uh, sovereign fund. Uh, I'm not sure what exactly happened to that sovereign fund. But imagine that uh, we, you know, most of the Indians uh, in Wall Street, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, in London, they're all into, in Silicon Valley, they're all into private equity, venture capital, uh, and in the financial uh, uh, sector. And there are several uh, uh, people who would be interested to, to do a fund for investing in uh, uh, cultural enterprises. 
as cultural. There's a big trend towards uh, impact investment, social impact investment. So being like environment and social impact. So all the artisans, for example, and, and their livelihood, it is, it is social impact. Right? So if you position it that way and look at it as saying that, look, I'm going to invest in a venture in, say, for example, Pochampali and to give them access to technology and, and give them access to markets globally and, and it's a small venture, then you have a specific dedicated fund and you're looking at it. So a, a fund, uh, a financing, uh, these are initiatives that are required which require uh, some kind of a push by the, uh, the government, then automatically the private uh, enterprises will take up. Um, now, Creative India Academy is your flagship in this venture. And so, you know, from your description just now, you know, I was um, on a, is it in an advisory role or an advocacy role or, you know, will it only fund, will it help train? Um, and do other things uh, to push this uh, aim of uh, Indian uh, for furthering Indian culture. Are you uh, you know entirely off stage and allowing entrepreneurs to rise and fall on their own merit, or is there like a mentorship sort of program from Creative India um, experts, um, you know, in various fields, not just artisans, but even you know from the business management perspective of the the sort of business support many artists will need because they know more about their art than the business model. Um, and, you know, is your target Indians and uh, the Indian diaspora or uh, people of Indian origin in foreign countries because they'll be the most receptive, in, you know, immediately? Uh, or is it, you know, anybody who is interested in promoting Indian culture? Um, for example, I know, I personally know a lot of uh, American and European uh, women who have learned Bharatanatyam, for example. And... They, you know, if they want to do something, would you support them as well? Sorry for putting two, three questions at the same time, but they, they're related, and so I thought I'd put them together. <laughs> now, uh, you see, the, this is an uh, there is this this is primarily a, an advocacy platform on one level, and on the other level, also what we can do, you know, within our own uh, initiatives. So there, obviously, a thing like uh, Bali. Uh, Indian Bali, for example, uh, 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 or smart city is not something that I can uh, do. That's a government. So basically, you make presentations to the government, and you uh, uh, it's an advocacy, and the resonance has to be there in the government side. We don't know when it will happen. Maybe it will happen five years later, but it's an idea I think whose time has come. They've already talked about clusters, and uh, it's not uh, it's not an entirely new idea in terms of. Uh, the, the Ministry of Textiles and Handicrafts, they talked about clusters in, you know, uh, in Andhra Pradesh elsewhere. So we're just saying, taking the whole thing and putting it in one location. Um, the things that specifically Creative India Academy wants to do is one is to set up NICE, which is a network of uh, Indian cultural entrepreneurs, which is a global network, it's a body. Um, which would be uh, membership driven and any entrepreneur who's involved in, uh, in, in, uh, in making a living out of Indian art culture, whether he's a member of a yoga studio, so whether he's a, a restaurant owner or he's 
selling Ayurveda products. Any person who's involved or who's in a retreat in India and outside, they're all members. This would be like NASCOM or uh, CII or FIKI, kind of a trade body that would have one voice to advocate to the, uh, to the government. So this is something which is now hands in the at least to try and set it up. And, uh, uh, and that's the first thing. Second thing is because I'm in the investment uh, space, I have a network of uh, friends who are angel investors. So what we are trying to do now is trying to get a platform uh, an online kind of a private platform wherein uh, we sign up uh, uh, angel investors around the world. And uh, through this platform, uh, all proposals can be uh, reviewed. There's a common due diligence that is done. There's a common contract that is done. And then you circulate it amongst the angels and then whoever is interested, supposing somebody wants to set up a, uh, a, a restaurant somewhere, any, any venture, then we just circulate that amongst the angel investors and then people can invest. So that is again something which is now hand uh, and we can try and do that. Um, and uh, uh, as far as Mudra Global Idea is concerned, again, that is an advocacy thing. We, we just try to promote this. Uh, the most important uh, uh, first step that we want to uh, do is to uh, about 18 years back, I was mentioning uh, in Goal, so that uh, NASCOM, for example, had a um, business plan uh, for uh, some Indian IT services sector, and they prepared a, a comprehensive business plan across verticals. And what exactly should an Indian company do? And this was presented by NASCOM to the uh, government of that uh, at that time. Uh, one idea that uh, we would like to see to fusion is to get uh, uh, McKinsey or any consulting firm to do this on a pro bono basis to map the existing. So when we are looking at uh, uh, looking at from an economic point of view, we really need to look at it again as a business plan and look at what exactly is the impact of uh, Indian art and culture in the top 50 cities based on GDP and based on Indian diaspora's presence. In terms of, uh, for example, uh, is there a festival of uh, uh, Indian art, visual arts, uh, performing arts, music and performing arts in that city? For example, Singapore every year hosts one, right? Now, is there one in, uh, in for example, in, uh, in New Zealand? And uh, if not, why not, right? So therefore, if you look at uh, across the verticals and then say that there are uh, 37 restaurants in Perth, right? So you know that that's a statistic that you know. Now, the question is, is there a demand for more in, in, uh, for in more restaurants? And then you classify restaurants into, uh, and, uh, you know, South Indian vegetarian restaurants and North Indian restaurants. So you can have a classification and saying, okay, there are six South Indian restaurants and therefore is a demand for eight. So once you do a mapping of these 50 cities across these verticals, in terms of cuisine, in terms of Ayurveda, in terms of visual arts, in terms of performing arts, visual arts, for example, where does somebody who wants to buy Indian art go to? Right? There are some galleries which specialize in. Now, can we expand that? Because gallery business in India also, it's not, 
It's not something very, uh, it's not a thriving. So they need intervention. Again, here the state intervention needs. So for example, Venice Binale or uh, any, any of these large, uh, you would have to uh, uh, subsidize and take a larger uh, stall. Because that's the cost. And then give the opportunity for five, six uh, Indian uh, companies to present their uh, thing. So for example, Singapore Art Fair, where we have an annual uh, art fair uh, every year. So there are six, seven uh, Indian galleries at present. Could we increase that by uh, negotiating? Um, you know. So these are these are this. This is a requirement to first and foremost prepare a business plan across these verticals across fifty cities and saying, okay, this is the current situation. There is a demand like this in these kind of ventures. There is a demand, and therefore. We can, uh, uh, people can realize and then uh, try and set up those businesses. Once you have that, you're good. You're asking something. No, no, I'm, uh, please go ahead. I'll uh, ask it. Uh, you can have like a war room kind of a situation wherein you're actually, you know, with real time mapping of all the, you know, imagine a, a, a console uh, of, uh, you know, this is the impact that's happening this year. So imagine a situation wherein, uh, for example, there's a lit fest in, uh, in, 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 in London, for example. And uh, does it have, does, you know, there, is there a presence of an Indian author there? Uh, they are also looking for content. They are also curating and they are looking for content. And we are producing several uh, global uh, authors. Now, but again, it requires logistics and it requires... Uh, you know, travel costs and it requires subsidizing uh, somebody to go and make your presence there. So every festival uh, around the world, in, in you know, top music festivals, top literary festivals, all, all, all uh, binales. So everything, if you just map and say, what is my current presence? And then what can be the potential presence? And then your perspective is that Okay, in order for my, uh, to reach that potential, then I need to do these kind of initiatives and interventions. So this is, the, uh, this is what is required, that you need to have a business plan. You need to have a real-time mapping of the impact on a year-on-year basis. So when, when I talk about saying that, look, we have to be a global soft power, we can be a global soft power by the year 2030, then we are talking about creating this business plan creating these institutional interventions of financing and funding and uh, these kind of a trade bodies, and then having a, 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 a mapping scenario where in year on year, you can, uh, you can see the progress. For example, uh, how many visitors travel to India from Cape Town? Right? We, we should have that data somewhere. Now, how do I increase that? Therefore, if there's an increase of travelers from that place, it means that my soft power and my presence there has increased. That's, that's a qualitative, tangible uh, metric. So we need to break it down. So soft power is nice and mushy and nice and nice thing. But you have to change your perspective to think of it as economics. It's just the economics of culture. You know, um, I should apologize to our viewers uh, and uh, very quickly ask you, a question I should have asked right at the beginning. Um, I know this because, you know, we've talked before, you know, privately. Um, 
the basic idea behind this whole soft power push is that Harikiram has come up with 12 verticals. I mean, you know, I, I remember this as I was listening to you, the 12 verticals that you have created, Ayurveda, um, tourism, literature, art, music, um, yoga, the 12 verticals that have been created um, have been imagined at the Creative India Academy. And there's financing ideas such as mudra, which, uh, you know, refinancing and all that. Could you just please uh, briefly explain the structure? I should have asked you this right in the beginning. And people who are not aware of it might have got a little lost. I just realized uh, in the last answer. No, no, no issues. Um, so we have a platform uh, with uh, Swaraja. We work, uh, there's a digital platform. One of the initiatives that we just started with is uh, Creative India Mag. And uh, that is basically when uh, we looked at that and then uh, these 12 verticals. The first is, of course, uh, spirituality. Then we have Ayurveda. Then we have yoga. We have handicrafts. We have visual arts. We have performing arts. We have music. We have films. We have literature. And then we have tourism. So these are the uh, 12 uh, verticals that, uh, if you break it down, again, this comes back to not generalizing it into a larger theme of art and culture and soft power, but just breaking it down into specifics of various aspects of our culture. And uh, so these are the 12 verticals that uh, uh, one could think of uh, as a broader thing and a, a design is one more. And so within these larger, you also have subsets. For example, Indian design is a very, very uh, in demand. And when I said design, I'm talking about uh, fashion, I'm talking about jewelry design, I'm talking about furniture design. So, uh, in fact, even industrial design uh, uh, with the Indian aesthetic sense would, would come there. So when you look at design, then the subcategories would be all this. And when you look at handicrafts, of course, handicrafts would have several facets of uh, handicrafts from the country. Um, cuisine, again, would have these uh, subcategories. Like, for example, you have... Um, a modernist cuisine that is very popular now uh, and you have so different segmentations basically within a, a broader uh, theme um, this is just to uh, uh, map it in such a way that when we talk about which state which country which city has a greater demand for a particular vertical for example there is a huge demand for Indian spirituality in South America so in Advaita Academy, we have more than one lakh uh, Facebook likes and almost some 25 to 30,000 are from Brazil and, uh, you know, the other countries from South America. There's some connection that we, we seem to have between uh, these two countries and their response to Indian spirituality. This gives you, a, this kind of a uh, framework gives you uh, to drill down into the next level. And that's, that's what, uh, so some countries can have some kind of a resonance. We all know about Indian cuisine having resonance uh, uh, in UK. But uh, interestingly, you don't have the same kind of uh, modernistic cuisine that you have seen in UK, in the US. Uh, for some strange reason, uh, US has not responded as much to, uh, um, if you go to any Indian restaurant in the US, there's a buffet and you know, that's, that's it. But if you go to London, uh, uh, then you have the, all these uh, modernist cuisine like Vinit Bhatia and uh, all of these people who have experimented. And, uh, and so you get some exclusive uh, cuisine there. So one needs to 
look at which uh, country, which market, which uh, what kind of consumer profile, and then you will understand this across these verticals. Uh, you asked me one question whether it is for non-Indians also. One of the things that uh, we are trying to plan is to do a festival for Indic files, basically celebrating. There are so many, like you said, you know a lot of people who do Bhattanatya, right? A lot of non-Indians who do. Now, celebrate them. So the, this festival that uh, uh, we're talking about for non-Indians who are so there, I mean, if you look at it again, uh, look at as consumers of Indian art and culture, that's like they buy a ticket and then enjoy it or they go to Indian consumers or they're practitioners, right? They're actually dedicating their life to learn something uh, about uh, like, uh, like you were saying, uh, your teacher uh, is a non-Indian is learning Bhatanatyam. So they're practitioners of Indian art. Somebody learns singing, somebody learns dancing, somebody learns a musical instrument. And then you have their collectors of Indian art. Uh, so there are a lot of people who are uh, collectors and then people who come to India to experience. Uh, so if you look at your segmentation of consumers, you have broadly these. Now, how about a festival that is dedicated entirely to them three days and then you invite all of them and then 10,000 people from all over uh, the world come to India to experience it. Uh, and you're celebrating uh, our, our culture with people and thanking them for uh, for being the brand ambassadors for our art and culture, for enjoying our art and culture. So these are things that we need to, uh, so then, so the point is that we need to think of initiatives. We need to think of interventions which are not necessarily very grand and very big, very small uh, interventions and then we can do that. And um, let me sort of, you know, slip into geopolitics for a little bit. Um, you are pushing Indian culture. We are pushing Indian culture. And but do you think this marketplace of culture? Because when Indian culture goes out there, it will, you know, be one of for consumers. It is one of many cultures. It's, you know, there's Chinese culture. There's definitely you know European culture and. Um, other cultures, Arab culture, Vietnam, you know, you know, some some of them are you know are stronger in cuisine, others in literature, whatever. Uh, do you think this this sort of like a marketplace of culture, and is it a zero sum game, or do you think, or is it are are we joining a cacophony of cultures uh, which we have not been a part of until now? And how does this translate into making uh, dharma, dharmic culture, more robust uh, in that sense? Well, you see, uh, first and foremost, let's let's look at uh, a matrix again. <laughs> Go back to a matrix and look at uh, look at different kinds of power and look at different kinds of uh, and what are the, who are our competitors in that sense. Uh, look at uh, America, look at China, look at India, look at Russia, look at Brazil, look at Japan, look at uh, uh, South Korea, and uh, if you look at uh, and, and and map these countries uh, across uh, political and economic power and military power and, um, and, and cultural power. The sheer breadth of uh, culture that India has, uh, there is no other country that even comes close. So you might have K-pop from uh, South Korea, you might have uh, sushi from Japan, 
but they're all unidimensional or they have one or two facets that, uh, that they can promote. But the Indian art and culture, like I said, is, is across these 12 verticals. And within that, there are several sub verticals. So therefore, uh, just in terms of competition that we have, we only have America as a competition. We don't have anybody else as, as competition in terms of just the breadth of. Uh, so to say that, uh, so to, to that extent, we are rightly positioned to be a global soft superpower. Uh, therefore, that 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 is we are we are probably the only country who is positioned to be a global soft superpower. The others are unidimensional, or they have one or two dimensions. They don't have the same breadth. So this is the first thing. Now it is not a zero sum game, and that's why uh, when I was speaking in Goa, uh, I was talking about synthesis agent. We should be calling ourselves as a global synthesis agent. When we say synthesis. There's a combination, and within this combination, there's an extra that's created. So therefore, uh, uh, there's really no cacophony in the sense there is synthesis, and uh, that's the second point. And third point is from a dharma point of view, if you look at what are the global mega trends that are happening in, in, in the world, one is there is this uh, entire movement towards spirituality, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a movement towards uh, consciousness studies and spirituality and that's one big trend the second thing is about care in terms of environment sustainable living in terms of healthcare, in terms of uh, healthy lifestyle then uh, in terms of your yoga and meditation and mindfulness and that's 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 one big trend there's another big trend is craft so everything in in the world now people are making it whether you know you say craft beer craft whiskey craft everything is craft basically what does it mean it communicates saying that look i want to i don't like these large mega manufacturing companies so it's a rebellion against these larger companies but i want to encourage smaller companies small is beautiful so therefore i would buy products from people who make it in a smaller, sustainable way. So that's the big trend that is there uh, globally. So, and, and of course, uh, in terms of culture, there's a big trend towards curated experiences. So everybody wants some intellectual aspect. It's just not an emotional enjoyment or something, but they want to understand a little more and overlay an intellectual concept to enjoy that experience better, whether it is food, whether it's a concert, whether it is a tourism uh, visit to a particular place, every there's a big trend towards overlaying the intellect over the mind from an emotion. So that is a very big trend that we need to understand. So if you look at these five trends and if you look at how uh, our dharma can also be broken into ceremonies in terms of consciousness, in terms of care, in terms of culture, we are actually responding uh, so Indian art and culture is responding to a global demand. And if we, if we don't realize it, then we would be missing out an opportunity to become uh, using culture to become an economic powerhouse. So this is a big uh, global demand. Uh, and we must understand and appreciate this trend and, and capture that and, and leverage it from an economic point of view. And uh, finally, before I close, um, you know, the way I forgot to ask you to lay out the 
the, the map of your plants in, in the beginning. Is there something else I have forgotten that uh, you want to draw attention to specifically about Creative India Academy and uh, this soft power initiative? Well, I mean, uh, the first thing is uh, uh, we, we've been, I mean, we have been going uh, slow uh, in terms of just to get this concept out. Uh, so the first and foremost would be to uh, at least get the uh, this network of angels and the nice uh, off the ground, and hopefully during the coming year we'll also work on the festival uh, for uh, Indic files. Uh, these are the initiatives that uh, we can look at. We also just uh, we, have, we have Creative India Mag is now one year old. We have had a relation uh, collaboration with uh, Soraja, but now we have taken a, a decision to make it completely long form because uh, what's happening is that uh, um, long form reading and long form journalism and long reads is is coming back. We, while we have these attention deficits that are happening, uh, we also want meaningful uh, uh, reading and meaningful understanding. So. So this year would be to focus on uh, making Creative India Mag as a very, very uh, place to go for long form uh, pieces on art and culture. So these are the four or five things that we want to do. Okay. Thank you, Hari, uh, for speaking to us and uh, lots of luck. And anybody who's watching the Indian sphere in the world uh, is definitely going to be in for some exciting times in the next uh, five to 10 years at least. So thanks a lot and uh, wish you much luck. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much.